0: Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine.
1: In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam.
2: And really, everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh.
1: Or Volleyball Steve.
2: (laughs) I especially love the new flavor Seaberry, especially during the summer so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic, like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run.
0: Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20%
2: off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210,
0: that's 90210,
2: at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today we're talking about Season 8, Episode 15,
1: Ready or Not. Mary, what happened this week?
0: Val, unhappy with the deal she made with Noah for only 10% of P-PAD profits on top of her already inflated salary – Dips her toe back into illegal side hustling when she meets Brandon's old bookie, Duke, at sports night. David spies on Noah, clearing out the pee pad condom machine, and confronts Donna about not making him wait as long as David did to use them. Donna says he's not allowed to care. Also, everyone heard him and Val banging thanks to the thin Walsh walls. David admits the fake dating scheme, but then for real bangs Val, so Donna bangs Noah. But not just because of that. Also, because... Oh, God. It's also because they love each other now. (laughs) Also, since we took care of Ben last week, there's no reason for David to keep working at Rob's car wash by hand only. He's now the new Beverly Beat music review guy, because writing isn't about writing, it's about knowing stuff. Also, Terry just eloped with no notice, so we get Janet now. Carly missed a notice about construction near her place because her mom threw it away, and now she has to live at the beach apartment with Donna. Yay. Except Zach uses Donna's minimalist new fashion designs as coloring pages because Steve said, why pay a babysitter? I'm here. And then went to sleep. And Donna didn't find out until she was presenting her designs at her job interview. But luckily, the man she's interviewing with recognizes genius when he sees it. Emma gives Kelly advice on how to deal with her situation with Dr. Monahan, which is basically outlining how she plans to deal with her situation with Brandon, Catch him saying something incriminating. Emma records a brief conversation with Brenda, breaks Kelly's watch, and asks where Brandon got it so she can get Kelly a new one. Throughout all this, Brandon tells Emma it's time for her to leave the Bel- Beverly beat. The Bellerly beat. I cannot speak <laughs> today. I'm so sorry.
1: Did you catch yourself also saying Brenda?
0: Brenda? Oh my god! <laughs> Oh, no, I was, I, but... I perked. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I miss Brenda. Me too. Okay, I'm going to reread that sentence. I'm sorry. Throughout all this, Brandon tells Emma it's time for her to leave the Beverly Beat. She packs up her stuff, but I'm sure this won't be the last time we see her. Meanwhile, Kelly tricks Monahan into being a bad person in front of witnesses, surreptitiously turning on the intercom in the exam room so Brandon and foundation director Audrey can hear their conversation. Turns out Dr. Monahan is not the only doctor who can run this clinic and his replacement will be none other than Dr. Dad Martin.
1: The greatest plot development that has ever happened in all plot developments is just Kelly saying, no, I've called the only doctor I know who's amazing and he'll take the job.
2: And has previously been like volunteering, right? So it's like the path is clear.
1: (laughs) And you know... I think it was last episode when they mentioned that, and I was like, "Why is Felice talking about Doctor Dad volunteering? Like, we don't oh. see him, we don't know." And then Kelly's just like, "He is a volunteer doctor, and he's amazing." You're Which welcome. is all true.
2: Ugh, loved it. Like that was the only part I loved about that storyline this week. Fact. Well, outside of Kelly's role in it, but you know.
1: Yeah. No, this was a very interesting episode. I feel like we did cover a lot, and I kind of love like how Mary put it with uh, the car wash. <laughs> They're like, we just don't need it anymore, so goodbye.
2: Yep, that was one less, one less problem. like One less location, one less like amount of extras that we're going to need to fill up this location. It just, yeah. Bye-bye, car wash.
1: It's everything we talked about, specifically for Kelly, that we were like, she's just going to go place to place and develop storylines. Little did we know, also David true good point yeah but okay so (laughs) speaking of val i do love that she got this win of just like increasing her salary getting a stake in the business being ready to like start building her nest egg back up and she's like i didn't get enough
2: (laughs) yeah she's never satisfied like when it comes to money and boys like she legit it's like she can't be comfortable you know, because the second she is, she's like, nope, I need more. Nope, I need more. Nope, I need more. She's – she just is constantly looking for that validation. And as soon as she has it, she's like, my job is done and, like, I've protected myself. But now I feel like I need more danger, you know?
1: Yeah. No, she is, like, perfect for the business world where she's just yeah. like, I did it. I'm ready to move up. Let's right. cut out this middle management and go right back to ownership. <laughs> yeah. But, like – when we start on this episode and they're at the pee pad, that's really like the least of our problems mm-hmm. because we do go right into Emma and Brandon and Kelly where <laughs> I wrote in my notes, oh, thank God Emma's here. I roll emoji. Yep. And then she's had she's got this whole article about her and Brandon basically sleeping together and then Kelly pulls out the watch and those eyes. You just see – Emma clocking it it of just like, oh, I mean nothing to you. Cool. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. That was that was so interesting because it's like she bugs out for a second and then she like it was like realization dawns on her. And I think we talked about this last episode too, though, when Kelly grabs the article from Emma and is like reading it and is like so enthralled with it. I hate that they're making her out to be so dumb and oblivious. Like that's just not her. Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, if you're that close to a situation, you hardly ever think it's, like, related to you. hmm But you would think she would pick up on some sort of tension between Brandon and Emma to some degree. I don't know.
1: I mean, I feel like we haven't seen it in a while. But the three of us have talked a lot about how Kelly got a psychology degree. And the whole idea was that she was supposed to be able to pick up on this stuff with people. She's supposed to be Mm -hmm. able to read them. And like you said, maybe she's too close to the situation, but you'd think she'd see a difference in Brandon.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But she doesn't. Uh, At least not now. I hope she
1: will eventually. I know. This is not one that I want to keep dragging out. I mean, we hated it when it started. I hate it right now. Like, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Yeah, Let's move agreed. on here. Speaking of wrapping things up, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Oh my gosh! Um, so. yeah, I just I'm grossed out by the quadrangle that we have going on with David and Noah and Donna and Belle. I thought I was gonna love it. This I don't love.
2: I think it's because it feels too competitive, like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but it feels like Donna stays out of it. Noah claims he wants to make peace, mm-hmm. but is, like, super broody. It's, Val it's is like Val, and David is always mad.
1: He gets so mad at this. And, like, <laughs> okay, this is something that I feel like I see a lot, the conversation of just, like, okay, you have – American bathroom stalls where you can see through the slats and you can see what everyone is doing in the bathroom, and you don't see that anywhere else in the world. Mm. I feel like David seeing Noah try and like buy all of the condoms out of the public bathroom, like this is a storyline that only works in this moment, yeah. And then like he gets to be offended at what he saw versus the idea of like he was creeping on Noah,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. And like it's kind of that same thing that we've kind of always talked about where it's like Donna's virtue. And by virtue, I mean, Mm -hmm. her sexuality is like not really her own. It's, it's David's or it's Noah's now, or it's uh, Ray, like whoever she's dating. It's not actually hers because it's just constantly like either the guy she's with has to wait and it's a problem or is waiting, but brings it up. Like it's not a problem because it kind of still is it's never hers to control Mm
1: -hmm. and we've
2: always talked about it too where it's everybody's business yes and so again david makes this his business by creeping and then goes and tells val immediately about what he saw and val thinks donna wouldn't move that fast so it's like it's everybody else's business and everybody else's opinion on what donna should or shouldn't do with her body and it bothers me.
1: It drives me nuts. I mean, there's literally a quote when he goes to tell Val and she's like, well, it's Donna. She wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And even if she did, it wouldn't bother you, right? Me neither. Like, yeah, it wouldn't bother you. It shouldn't. It should have nothing to do with you.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: But no, we have to make a big deal out of it and it has to be weird and – like David walks past Donna without saying hi because he saw this thing that Noah was doing completely separately. They drive me nuts.
2: Yeah. It. Mm. So yeah, I think that's kind of why it's like there's too many emotions in this quadrangle and all of the worst kind of emotions, you know, like jealousy and mm. anger and insecurity, you, you know, it's like, it's a
1: lot. And like, To an extent, I think I could even take some of those emotions, but the idea that like you said, Donna's virtue comes into it, like that's not what we should be worried about. We should be like, oh, well, it doesn't bother me that they look so happy together.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We just don't need to like continue this stuff. They're in their 20s. They're all not virgins anymore. We're over it. It's fine. Yeah.
2: Let's move on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because – Donna literally doesn't care like that is not what she's doing right now she is you know off showing Steve all of her designs and this is the part where we find out that Carly and Zach have no place to live because their house is being earthquake retrofitted which I just have to point out another thing we've talked about recently is how there's too many places and that Donna has spare rooms yeah and that like We need to put people closer together. So I guess now Carly and Zach are going to be living in the beach apartment with Donna.
2: For who knows how long, you know, because I don't, obviously we live in, well, Mary and I live in Georgia. um, (laughs) And so we don't have earthquakes here that often. And if we do, they're teeny tiny and don't require houses to like, you know, require special attention or construction in order to make it safe. And so I have no idea how long this should take, but presumably at least a couple of weeks, if not more. Like I would think at minimum two weeks, just because it's like, it's house construction. It's not like you just landscape a yard, you know?
1: Which ironically, I live somewhere where houses get like constantly measured and tested for safety. And I couldn't Hmm. tell you that either. Yeah. Cause, (laughs) cause I live. On water, like we reclaimed the land from the sea. So, like, all of the leaning buildings,
0: mm-hmm. there
1: is a set maximum degree that a building can lean. And if you hit beyond that, they'll find you. And then you're responsible for like getting all of the like wooden rods underneath your building, holding it up or placed with metal and like getting it retrofitted and like sealed back into all of the other buildings near you.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's why I will never own property in this country that is just waiting to be taken back. Poseidon's
2: just going to get really mad one day and he's just going to swallow it whole. <laughs> I'm telling
1: you, like, we have tempted fate.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so to your point, we get Carly and Zach in a convenient location for her to not only be around like Donna and former friendship here, but also closer to Steve. And Steve is like, you guys could stay with me. Who and would pick like... that? <laughs> right. But I feel like they almost didn't need that line because in no way, shape or form does it actually make sense. Because like Carly is like immediately like it's confusing for Zach. And that would be like now we would have Brandon, Kelly, Val, David, Steve, Carly, Zach. Seven people. I mean, six and a half. Like,
1: (laughs) exactly, But he's still a kid. That's the thing. If there wasn't a kid, no problem. Put them all in bedrooms. Everybody's two to a bedroom. We're good to go. But this is
2: only a three-bedroom
1: house. And the fact that the child is there. You can't just, like, the walls are too thin. It's not okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So they're going to move into the beach apartment, which I got to say, like, It's everything I expected out of Donna, but imagine being 22, 23 and just offering to have a six-year-old live in your house.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I I think it's like, it's a little bit more understandable given Carly's age, like, because she's Mm -hmm. a young mother. And so, but still, like, for just thinking about life stages, right? Like, that's the whole reason why there's been conflict with Steve and Carly is because like, life stage is just so different.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, baby-proofing the house, like, yeah, Zach is six. It's not baby-proofing, but, yeah. like, he's still six. Like, you do need to keep him away from some things.
2: Yeah, like, you need to put the alcohol on the top shelf. You need to, like, make sure you don't just, like, leave, I don't know, like, nail polish out, you know, like, random stuff like that. I, he, I don't know. He can read. Have you have
1: to yeah. lock your laptop. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, I don't have a child i'm guessing i'm assuming that like you have to retrofit a house in general so they're like oh yeah carly can't live here because it's retrofitting for earthquakes and then she can't live here because it's not retrofitted for a (laughs) six-year-old
2: yeah (laughs) but of course donna offers and is just such a sweet angel um so we've got that settled and now we have to go to the clinic because. We have not had an update with the Dr. Monahan situation. Gross. And it just, like we said in the beginning, like it all is so uncomfortable and it's just such a hard storyline, right? Like it's mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't have a better word for it. But I think like. I think we said this in the last episode just talking about how Jenny Garth just really does a really, really good job with the line deliveries and the confidence but also the the, the fear and all of that kind of stuff. So at least we have that.
1: Yeah, because he comes out in all of this stuff. He like wants to see her in private and he definitely uses his position to kind of like put her down and convince her that this is not – the hill to die on. He's like, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm important. Like, you can't say anything because that would take me away from the clinic and like, I'll be fine. I'll just go to private practice. This clinic will fall apart without me. And just disgusting. Like, the fact that he would use this argument of like, I'm important, therefore you can't stop me. Mm Mm-hmm. yeah
2: he's trying to say he's like untouchable basically which is i'm sure how a lot of people feel who are put in this situation Mm -hmm. you know like they feel like they have absolutely no power they have absolutely no leg to stand on because people either a don't believe them or b the person that assaulted is a person in power because that's usually how it works right and so especially too because Kelly thought she was speaking in confidence with Audrey, the -hmm. the foundation director or whatever. And she wasn't. I mean, she was, but she wasn't because Mm -hmm. apparently you have to, like, notify the person that is being reported on about the report, which I get, but it's so gray. It's such a gray area.
1: And, like, it opens the door for this exact thing where he's like, hey, I know that you feel uncomfortable. Fun fact. You can't stop me.
2: Yeah. Fun fact, get over it. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, I mean, he wants to see her in private and she goes. Like, you don't have a choice here. It's just – it's it grosses me out. I hate it. I'm so excited for this to end soon. And I wonder – I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there. (laughs) Because, like – I just we've got all of these different storylines that are really evolving like we're truly literally in the middle of the season so like mm-hmm. stuff is happening because Noah and Donna show up at David's car wash with their car and they're like oh we didn't know that you worked here.
2: Yeah like come on there's 80 million car washes in Beverly Hills alone and of all the gen joints you show up in this one like come on. I
1: loved it. She just gets out of the car. She's like, I didn't know. I'm like, (laughs) ma'am, you did.
2: Oh, my God. But what's crazy is like, okay, two things are crazy here for me. Number one, David tells Donna that she made him wait seven years to have sex with him and accuses her of waiting only seven weeks with Noah. First of all, proving my point from earlier. That Donna's virtue is not her own
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and then number two he just is like oh by the way like me and Val like we faked it all like we wanted to make you jealous I'm like these two things what what what,
1: huh (laughs) no they're not connected and then like it's it's a stupid argument it means literally nothing the point that Donna's virtue belongs to no one but herself is the point but like his whole "Oh, you made me wait seven years." Y'all started dating when you were like sixteen. Right. There is a huge difference between where you started and where you are now as adults. And let's also talk about like all of the stupid, terrible things that David did during their relationship. So, like, right? Literally, any time that he's like, "You made me wait seven years," she's like, "No, I didn't, because you cheated on me three years in." Like,
2: and dated Claire. For a while, dated Val for a while. Donna dated Ray, Joe, Cl- uh Cl- Cliff?
1: Cliff? Yes, Cliff. Yeah,
2: Cliff. Like, there were several, like, collectively over a span of time, sure, seven years, but actual time dating, two and a half, three max. Also, who cares? Like, okay, yeah, you've known Noah seven weeks, so you made him wait that long too, I guess. Or like Donna, yeah, because they like maybe it's been longer than seven weeks. Let's say it's been like six months at this point. Mm-hmm. Donna should be like, "Um, no, David. Per your logic, I've waited. I've made him wait six months. You know, like, That's
1: like, like <laughs> yeah. Let's. If you want to talk semantics, we're going to talk semantics. I will get into this. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that he's like, "Oh yeah, well, me and Val never slept together. Like, okay, As first, is, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, first of all." I knew he was going to turn on her. I knew they were going to come into this. And then he was going to be like, I'm going to get out before the getting's good. And then we're all going to blame Val for everything. I knew he was going to throw her under the bus.
2: Totally. Because like David and Val don't have a real honest relationship. like,
1: And they could.
2: But they they choose not
1: to because they both insist they're still in the quadrangle.
2: Right. And yeah, as if like David's saying that is gonna then change donna's mind about sleeping with noah when meanwhile noah is the one thinking about sleeping with donna donna has not ever said oh i'm thinking about this nor does she need to to anybody but noah
1: but that's the thing is like david just walks up to her cold she's like i'm sorry i brought my car here and he's like you're having sex
2: yeah, right? Just like, uh, you came
1: here to tell me you're having sex with Noah? How dare you? And She's like, no, there was like, we parked under a tree. There's sap. Yeah. <laughs> Please help me. God. No. The, it, it loses me. That conversation where Donna doesn't get to be like an actual Mirren character in the conversation loses me. I know. <laughs> then... We also have to set up some information at the Beverly Beat because it looks like Terry has realized this job is terrible. (laughs) I'm convinced that she, quote unquote, eloped. Like maybe she really did get married, but that she's using it as an excuse to leave the job. She's like, oops, sorry. Right. I'm housewife now. Bye bye. She like
2: left on a Friday of payday made sure the check cleared and then was like oh sorry guys meant to tell you i was engaged this entire time and we decided to elope forever away
1: <laughs> from here <laughs> i mean the job is trash let's be honest so trash literally i think they say later that nobody else applied for the job they're just like yeah. janet you can have it
2: mm-hmm And yeah, speaking of, we fortunately, like unfortunately we lose Terry, but fortunately we get Lindsay Price and her name is Janet and spoiler alert for those listening to this and you guys, she is wonderful.
1: Honestly, like if you're going to take Terry away from me and you're going to give somebody else this terrible job, I'm going to assume she's amazing and that I'm going to love her forever. I mean... I do feel like there is a connection between me and Janet from moment one.
2: (laughs) I mean, she literally says like, I like to keep things on the cutting edge or something like that. And she is like sucking up and stuff. So I'm like, all right, I would probably do the same thing if I like really needed a job. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. I would be here just like spouting out information that I read on Wikipedia about how to write a newspaper.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But, I mean, Brandon and Steve are desperate. Can you imagine? I actually, now that I think about it, would have loved one week where they were like, oh, my God, can you believe that Terry eloped and we don't know how to lay out a newspaper?
2: Well, and you would think, like, they would have time to to do an episode like that or at least some sort of an arc because we Mm -hmm. get things like Stripper Santa and, (laughs) like, The teeth mouth commercial. Like, (laughs) I'm just saying what they choose to do as filler plot in some episodes, like they could do that.
1: (laughs) I would have loved just one episode of the Beverly Beat. I think this episode aired in like the first week of January. So it would work to have like, you know, just one random newspaper right after a big holiday just be an absolute nightmare. Right. And just... Braden and Steve totally just like I don't know throw this in here Emma's article is on page one and page nine and no we didn't put the continued on page nine
2: somehow they got the text backwards like <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I could see that and then like Janet showing up the next week would just be that much more impactful but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad she's here I feel like I have
0: yeah.
1: you know tangentially heard about Janet slash actress Lindsay price Mm -hmm. on the show in general yeah let's do it let's go for it we're gonna make the beverly beat actually a useful part of the story outside of emma right and speaking
2: of she comes flying in and she is pissed she like walks in with a crossed arm stance and like is mad obviously about the watch that she saw Mm -hmm. she accuses brandon of not caring which like
1: fair that is true
2: yeah and not only not caring but not caring who the watch came from and then brandon ends up saying like working together is making things worse he's not gonna leave kelly he finally is like a little bit more decisive and definitive Mm -hmm. and then he says like she should leave the paper because of this whole scenario and i'm like obviously this is 1998 so Things have changed over the years, but I, and I know Brandon has main character syndrome, so there's mm-hmm. that, but sometimes I get really mad when there's a plot line of infidelity and let's just say, for this example's sake, it's a man and two women. The women are mad at each other, not at Brandon or not at the man, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Obviously, in this scenario, in 1998, I will give it a pass because I know that was very, very normal. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Brandon is like, you should leave the paper, and that Emma gets all the consequences, I'm like, "Mm, I need this to blow up in Brandon's face somehow. Like, I need something to happen, which makes the end of this episode that much more satisfying from that perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because, like, in this scene specifically... You know, we just talked about what happened with Kelly and Dr. Monahan at the clinic and she comes to the Beverly Beach, talk to Brandon. She has no reason to think that, you know, Emma is doing anything other than existing as Emma, this person who's writing she enjoys. Mm -hmm. But Emma makes this kind of like statement to her of like, you need to stand up for yourself and you shouldn't go anywhere, kind of insinuating like, I'm not going anywhere either because Mm – you know, Brandon is the one who did wrong. So Emma is probably just like, yeah, I feel this way. But like, yeah, the fact that Brandon just wants to have no consequences here. Like he did the bad thing. She loses her job. He keeps the Beverly Beat. He keeps Kelly and Emma just fades off.
2: Right. I think that's – and it's very Brandon to believe that that can happen, right? Like it's very him to think – and not that that's a bad quality it's just it's just who brandon is he's he's golden boy he believes Mm -hmm. that everything is going to work out just fine because why wouldn't they he's a quote-unquote good person like all that kind of stuff so of course he believes it and even to the point where he ends up saying like she meaning in this case both emma and kelly shouldn't let themselves become victimized and i hated that hated that line just, nobody is becoming nobody causes themselves to become victimized unless you're the one who, like didn't or or did do something wrong and then like tries to get out of it, right? Like it's like it's such a blaming the victim stance from Brandon
1: mm-hmm.
2: instead of a narcissist, you know, outlook because like i could I could make myself the victim if I am thinking that other people wronged me when they didn't. yeah, like if somebody actually wronged me, I am a victim
1: (laughs) that I was literally going to say the same thing. I was like, it is like blaming a victim probably without having the, you know, uh, language to actually Mm -hmm. understand what he's doing. Like, I really, I don't know. I don't know if the late nineties had these conversations. I don't know. But like, yeah, Brandon is just being like, I didn't do anything wrong here.
2: Yeah. And like, I'm not absolving
1: Emma at all. I mean, so far like she's kind of cool, but she also sucks. Like she she was innocent until she learned that Kelly existed and kept 100%. going.
2: Yes. 100%. And like yeah, then she kept going and kind of doubles down, kept going, keeps going. Um <laughs> and doubles down and like I don't know. She she very much is is definitely a gambler and likes to be in control. But that's always been the case. So I'm not saying she's blameless cuz she's not. But Brandon is, act- is acting like he's the only one or, or she's the only one that deserves blame.
1: You know what I'm realizing about Brandon right now? I might cut this out. I kind of like took a second pause to say this. I think Brandon likes to be dominated. Like, not necessarily (laughs) in, like, a kink version of it, but, like, you know, Emma shows up with all this confidence. You think about the first time that he and Kelly got together, she flew to D.C. and showed up at his hotel room.
2: That's true. Well, and think about Emily Valentine.
1: And think about uh, Professor. What's her name? Oh, Lulu. Lulu, like harassed him in the gym like I'm telling you this boy likes to be treated by mommy
2: it, yes it's like he's he subby as
0: fuck yes. yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> he like needs the confidence booster by like having a woman be so into him for sex like it's it will do whatever she wants
1: <laughs> it's literally Emma finding out he's got a girlfriend, and then deciding she's not going to stop, but then showing up the next day being like, oh, your watch hurt my wrist. Yes. Like, that is Brandon's thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: I have only just realized this in this moment because, like, I just feel like, you know, Kelly shows up in this moment. She is being victimized. And then you have Emma being like, you need to fight him. And he is just like, I can't make Emma leave.
2: Right? He's like, I have to go.
1: <laughs> I am so conflicted between my white knight Brandon and my mommy Brandon. hmm God. I just – I have only just realized that. And the thing is there is like a solid break in this episode from that moment to the next time that they come back
2: mm-hmm.
1: because we have to take this moment where Donna – now knows about the fake dating and she tells Noah about it because David has clearly gotten into her head. Like David has gotten into her head about sex in general.
2: Well, and, and yeah, like that, that then prompts them to talk about like Donna and Noah about what they want from each other sexually. And like what, I guess is on the table, what's not on the table, and things like that, which is good. Like, it's important to have that conversation. I Mm -hmm. just hate that it, like, sprouted from David confronting her. And, like, I do appreciate, though, that it does force Donna to kind of be like, well, I might need more time because I don't want to make the same mistakes I did with David. Or that this relationship end up like me and David.
1: Yeah, and it seems like Noah's really cool with it. Like, it seems like Noah is chill in general i guess or not chill but like he understands how to have a talk about a sexual relationship as an adult in a new relationship and like yeah is weirdly cool with this like stuff like it always blows my mind when somebody comes into this group and they tell you, like, oh, well, here's all of my history with this entire group, and that includes my sexual history and my platonic, non-platonic, open mouth kissing. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, cool.
2: Well, it actually makes me really curious about his previous relationship with the girl that passed away. like
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. it sounds like, to your point, he's almost, like, really comfortable with having an adult relationship, like – mature wise and even though he still has his like you know he gets jealous or he gets broody or he like is still flawed Mm -hmm. it sounds like at the core of it he's more mature and donna's not used to that clearly because like you know she like i'm not saying that david's immature he he is but like but we're not not saying it yeah like i'm not trying to like (laughs) shit on david here it's just more that like donna is very used to I guess, like, seeing David and knowing him since he was a baby. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is a brand new person who has had different experiences and has lived elsewhere and, like, all of that. So a lot of it is just new. And so maybe she's just, like, seeing and, uh, I don't know, it's just experiencing a new thing from somebody that hasn't been in this pod for seven years.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because, like, I feel like David has a very similar (sighs) – not reaction, but like he's got kind of a very similar thing where he's very clearly not over Donna because they've been in this pod for seven plus years and Val is now having to see that like he's not over Donna. And, you know, what I really wrote in my notes at this point was that at some point David says, after a long day at the car wash, I have to come home to you. And I was just like, ooh, you can't say that to anyone like your worst enemy you shouldn't say that to i know and
2: uh it's that's kind of why i'm like val and david don't work because okay. they are like almost too real with each other it's like they say everything they're thinking at any point in time without ever considering if that one if that one thought is a fleeting thought or if it's mm-hmm. a real solid thought you
1: know what i mean it's it's a very big okay failure in like a um, fake dating trope kind of a thing where somebody is like, one of them is starting to feel feelings. You've got Val feeling feelings for David, but then he's so clearly still hung up on Donna and talking about her having sex with this other boy that like, yeah, yeah, he just says his things of like, yeah, after a long day, I have to come home to you. Yeah. Which... (laughs) To be fair, kind of segues into the very next scene where the next day Brandon and Steve show up to the car wash and are just like, David, you're not meant for car washes. Come work for the Beverly Beat.
2: Right? Like, you're not long for this world, boy. (laughs) Come (laughs) come with us.
1: Come across town. (laughs) And it's literally a moment where, like, David's boss comes out and is like, what are you doing? And then he jumps in the back of a car and is just like let's go I quit and my (laughs) thought
2: out of after all this was how can Brandon and Steve afford this
1: I thought about that too like we just had Terry quit and we're not having a come to Jesus moment about what our practices are like (laughs) in HR they're like you know we need more people
2: they have no CFO like they don't know
1: (laughs) they have no guidance it is anybody setting smart goals that's what I want to (laughs) know Let me tell you, this is the first company that I have worked for in a long time that has asked accountants to write goals for ourselves. Wow. Accountants don't do that. We're just like, no. We sit down, we balance the books, we go home, and I have to write goals for myself. And I'm like watching this show and I'm like, these are children. They don't have goals.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. Okay. So after this, we go back to the clinic and oh my God, like it just keeps getting worse because now like, you know, first we saw this power trip that Dr. Monahan mm-hmm. is on talking about how high and mighty he is. And now when Kelly shows up, Dr. Monahan has hired Kelly's quote unquote replacements
1: because Kelly quote unquote resigned the idea, like, can you imagine showing up to work and somebody having the audacity to pull this on you. Like, I, literally, this can't happen today, right? Like, I mean, maybe yeah. it can, but it can't. Yeah, like,
2: when I think about something like this happening, it happens at, like, such an executive level or, like, such a um, a massive kind of... I don't know. Like, for me, this feels very, like, Harvey Weinstein level or, like, mm-hmm. Woody Allen level or, like, you know what I mean? Some of those big, almost more, more like, entertainment or sports kind of where things are a lot more like the movies, weirdly.
1: Yeah, where there's a lot more, like, national power, like, Twitter power kind of a thing. Yeah. Th- meanwhile, this guy has, like, one executive in his corner
2: exactly yeah exactly and like yeah it just feels so crazy so wild to happen and so like kelly's forced to say like well i'm gonna file a formal complaint against you and then like he just straight up fires her like instead of playing a game he then is just like you're fired and first of all i'm like do you even have the authority since when is a doctor also hr also like You know what I mean? Like, you would think she would have a different manager, a different leader than he
1: does. Well, and yeah, she is like a floating staff associate. Like, Mm -hmm. I would assume that her position in this company or in this foundation ranks higher than where he is. He can get her out of the clinic. He can't just, like, fire her. But, like, to get her out of the clinic, I feel like he would have to send her somewhere else. That might be making things up, but – you can't just, yeah, you can't just replace someone and fire them and be like, yeah, she resigned. She's right yeah. there. No, I agree. I agree. Ugh. And we get this like shock of Kelly being quote-unquote fired to the most random thing in this episode where we go back to the peach pit and Duke of all people not the same duke a different duke but yeah a duke is at the peach pit and nat tells val he's like oh yeah that's that bookie that got brandon in trouble and he wants to bring sports betting to the pee pad like this episode is
2: is a backdoor casablanca because like literally this (laughs) this is my second reference to casablanca but like Just like the car wash, I'm like, out of all the guest stars and all of the previous characters to come back, never would I ever have expected
1: Duke to be when that comes back. Duke was what, the second season? So, like, junior year of high school? Something like that. It was definitely really long. Like, Brandon was still working at the Peach Pit. So, I think it had to have been high school.
2: I kind of love that, like, Because this show took place in the 90s and there was not, you know, like the ability to watch this show outside of like actually watching it on air. Because I don't know that that like syndication or reruns was a thing yet. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I could be wrong. But I kind of love how the writers and creators and showrunners are just like, yeah, you guys know who this is. You're not going to remember that this is a different actor, but you're going to remember Duke and you're going to remember that like eight episode arc in season two, three, whatever it was, where Brandon had a gambling problem. Like, you are going to remember this, and we expect that of you, so we're just going to do it.
1: (laughs) I mean, truly, this is, like, maybe one of the first times they don't show a sepia-toned flashback of Brandon getting, (laughs) like, in the hole sports gambling.
2: Oh, my God, you're so right. I almost wish we got one, just to, like,
1: give us the reminder. (laughs) Give us Brandon with his, like, faux mullet back in season two and three oh getting God. into the ponies like I need to see what was it that time didn't he have like
2: a pair of skis or a snowboard or something in this yes
1: car? there were skis he had to like pawn off his skis <laughs> or no he got the skis because he made money off of
0: gambling
2: that's right I need to I, see that again. And and Jim confronting him in the driveway, like, what are you doing, son?
0: <laughs> when he was playing all that loud music in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon has lived a life.
2: He has. He's lived like, several lifetimes of of experiences, but yet none at all. Like he went to the Alamo. <laughs>
1: He has lived a life to the point that his bookie shows up at the pit, Peach Pit and he's not in the scene to recognize Duke. Like, other the people are that, just there.
2: Yeah, the fact that there is no, like, oh, moment, you know, of Brandon seeing Duke and running away.
1: <laughs> There's not even a moment of Nat being like, I'm his proto-father now, you can't be here. Like, they just exactly. let Duke happen. I know. It's crazy.
2: And I can't believe we talked this much about like a five second scene.
1: I know because it just keeps going. It just keeps jumping around because then apparently having given them permission to move in with her, Donna goes to Carly's house to help her back and just comes eye level with potentially the exact same condom box as from episodes ago.
2: Like I cannot with this box with just the giant font. I can't.
1: I just – nothing makes me happier than this idea that Donna was like, oh, yeah, move in with me, and then immediately sees condoms, and Carly's like, oh, yeah, they're Steve's. And then we've just got, like, an intimate friendship here where Donna and Carly talk about sex.
2: To be fair, like, out of all of of the people in the group, Donna would be the easiest one to have that friendship with, like, right off the bat. Because I feel like she would create such a safe space and such a like unfiltered. like she would provide an unfiltered mm-hmm. um, like perspective or her whatever she thinks. And so that creates the same like opportunity for you to then be just as
1: unfiltered. Well, and I think vice versa, because think of all of the times that Carly has just been chill with the bizarre things that Steve says. That's like true. Was it literally last week or two weeks ago with the comedy show? I think it was two weeks ago with the comedy show where he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I cheated and almost got me and Brandon kicked out of college. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm laughing. Yeah. She's like, that's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're going to have this friendship, you need Donna who wants to talk about sex. And then there's Carly who's just like, yeah, sex. Let's do it. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Oh, those are Steve's. Yeah. It just, I do appreciate this little moment. Like, literally, it's another one that's maybe, like, a minute long where Donna sees the condoms and then they have a five-second conversation. But, like, I don't know. I appreciate how Donna can form bonds with people.
2: Me, too. And I also appreciate how, like, when they are talking about sex, she's like, well, I'm confused because the rules seem to keep changing. And – we don't get her talking about her own virtue a lot like we've talked about but I appreciate when she does she's like Mm -hmm. I just don't know what's right I don't know how to tell what's right I'm doing my best I don't have a lot of experience I'm okay with you knowing that and I don't really know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. so I just kind of appreciate that she's so honest about
1: it she's just she's very genuine with the way that she talks about these things and It it works really well with the two of them. Like, as much as I love Kelly, I do feel like she's a little more private. And then like we're not even gonna include Val in the conversation because Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) She's the Samantha. (laughs) She could literally be sitting there with the tape recorder being like, say it again. (laughs) I need this for later. Don't ask why. (laughs) (laughs) But like no, it just it keeps going. It keeps kind of changing around everything. We're really doing a lot in this episode because then we go to Casa Walsh where we've got David and Val, and you know, David has this new job with the Beverly Beat. <laughs> Despite the fact that I feel like the three of us, all the viewers and Brandon and Steve, know that this newspaper is barely soluble and you're going to be working so hard, you're only mostly getting a salary. David's like, I'm ready to move out and find my own place. <laughs>
2: yeah. He's like, I got a job. Better not have learned anything about money since I got in with a loan shark. And I'm gonna immediately move to another apartment before I get a paycheck.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Val is just like, Okay, think about this. Are you doing this because you actually wanna move out or because you want Donna?
0: Mm. And fair. And-
1: Totally fair, and I am a little surprised that that question of just like, hey, I'm going to move out, and Val's response of, are you going to move out, or are you moving out just because you want Donna, results in what I'm assuming is David and Val sleeping together.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, just as we were talking about Brandon and his, um, his thing, I think <laughs> – david's is praise
0: like Mm. he because
2: when val says that she's proud of him he's like oh boy (laughs) that's my cue (laughs) like it's very because think about it like the reason david never told donna about the money problems he was having and about his living situation even though she knew about it but like he didn't want to take the charity is because Mm -hmm. he wanted to do it himself and have donna praise him for it he wanted to be able to be in a bad situation and come out of it and donna be impressed by his perseverance by his hard work by his ability to turn things around valerie calls him on his shit doesn't let him lie to her not that donna let him lie to her but like she's she's too involved with everything Mm -hmm. to know people's stuff and so she calls him out on stuff and then still gives him the praise because let's face it, Valerie knows exactly what how to get what she wants and she wants
1: to sleep with David. So there you go. <laughs> we go downstairs in Kasha Walsh where Emma and Kelly are like making a pasta dinner or something and you know having this whole conversation about Dr. Monahan, but. What's important in this scene is Kelly takes her watch off so that she can cook, which blows my mind because, you know, everything I wear is made out of rubber or plastic. Like I don't take (laughs) nice things off so that they don't get damaged. So when she took it off, I was like, why would you take your watch off? But then Emma like immediately picks it up and just throws in the water and smashes it with a wooden spoon and is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Okay, I got to admit,
2: I laughed out loud. (laughs) when she took it and dropped it in the pot and started banging on it and it made me think of you guys may not know but like do you guys remember in one of the avengers movies i think it was the main the first avengers when hulk is all hulked out and he just grabs loki before he gets to do his monologue and then just thrashes him back and forth (laughs) for some reason that's how i pictured emma with the watch (laughs) just like oh my god i
1: can't believe it broke
2: Yeah. (laughs) Whoops.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my god. But the moment where she does it, and she's like, "Oh my god, Kelly!" And then Kelly and Brandon walk in, and she's like, "Well, Brandon, where did you get this watch? I really need to replace it for Kelly because I feel so bad. Tell me the exact store that you bought this watch for the exact price." I was so uncomfortable. So
2: uncomfortable. I just wanted to like like get absorbed by the couch like just yeah let me
1: disappear <laughs> just leave the room be like what i hear someone calling me is that my cat
2: yeah like literally i was like is this scott's tots because this is so
1: <laughs> uncomfortable it was horrible and she's like yeah just tell me where it is and brandon's like i have the receipt somewhere and she's like well go get it
2: <laughs> like oh oh my gosh Like, I kind of want to, like, go to the next scene with them because there's, like, a very short scene in between. But, yeah, and so, like, Emma ends up letting Kelly read the column that she wrote. And, again, like, this is, I guess, the second one, this episode. And Mm -hmm. it's even further into, I guess, the series or whatever it is. And Kelly still does not put two and two together.
1: It was making me so mad.
2: Right. Because, like – it's just – it's so obvious at this point.
1: hmm And I I was trying. I was like, maybe it's not so obvious if we're not the viewer who has, like, third-party omniscience or omnipotence mm-hmm. where we're like, we know all of these things. But the fact that, like, Donna – or Donna. Emma just <laughs> destroyed the watch and is like, oh, where'd you get it? And then gives her this article that is about the gift. Mm-hmm. And she's missing it. And then they end up talking about, like – you know, the continued parallels of Kelly getting harassed at work versus Brandon and Emma, where, you know, men are pigs and Monaghan's wife is going to be the last one to know about what Monaghan is doing to her, just like Kelly is the last one, et cetera, et cetera. And Emma makes this comment that nice guys have a license to act out and that Kelly needs evidence of his behavior very clearly setting up what's going to happen in her life as well. And it just I was just, like, sweating. I was just, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know, know, It's like she
2: it, – it is. And she keeps talking about, like, getting payback and, and like, seeking retribution and, and all this. And mm-hmm. I, I think what's interesting is, like, it almost seems like Emma is getting more entertainment out of Kelly not knowing, which almost makes her worse. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. than I originally thought. Like, this is not just a situation of like Emma is really into Brandon. And so she Mm -hmm. doesn't, everything else is collateral damage. Now, at this point, when it was a second article and she's literally like befriending Kelly ish and like the watch and all this stuff, she, it feels like she gets her thrills from Mm -hmm. basically being a human wrecking ball.
1: And. I think that all of that is on purpose by the writers Mm -hmm. to save Brandon. Like we have to Mm -hmm. make him the villain, but then we have to make her more of the villain to make Brandon enough of a victim that he can stay the main character of the show.
2: True. I can see that for sure.
1: Yeah. Like I think, I think everything we've said is valid. We're like, Brandon is the one that was bad a hundred percent full stop Mm -hmm. no questions there and then like emma wasn't bad until she knew about kelly and then kept going but now the fact that she is like inserting herself into their lives and writing these articles and putting them in kelly's hands they're like no it's emma who is bad we love brandon go back to loving brandon he is the victim now
2: yeah and then they just like i hate but it does make emma more interesting
1: It makes them a lot more interesting. That night is sports night at the pee pad. It's fight night. We're doing a whole thing. And (laughs) I swear it like Val is asking Noah for a raise and he's like, I literally just hired you. Why would I do that? (laughs) Stop it.
2: And again, like to your point, what you said earlier about how Noah's just kind of chill about everything. He's. He just doesn't get. I mean, he does get mad and he broods and stuff, but like, he just doesn't really get too high or too low about something to the point where he drops logic. You know what I mean? It's like he's mm-hmm. like, no, I hear you, but like, no. <laughs>
1: well, and I feel like he's used to things going his way, and he's not used to a Val who doesn't take no for an answer. Good
2: point. Because
1: good point. That's when she sees Duke and realizes she can get in on sports betting. Hmm. Yeah, but. Then and it's of course a whole she thing.
2: makes the deal. Like, of think course, about it, it's so in character for her because she's just trying to find as much money as possible.
1: Literally, everything points back to Val wants to be rich, and she will do it. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. And like it, it, the whole scene devolves into a whole quadrangle thing about like, you know, Donna goes to David, finds out that he and Val did sleep together. She thinks he's been lying to her from the beginning, which is fair because david does have a history of lying with her or lying to her and lying with her i guess yep um but this all leads to donna taking noah home or but trying to yes Mm -hmm. and then noah catches
2: on and is like hang on i only want to do this for the right reasons not for the david reasons which good for him
1: Five second moment where we go back to Steve and Zach where Steve is asleep and Zach does exactly what a six year old would do.
2: Anyway. Yep. He basically just like looks for more coloring paper, finds what he thinks are coloring paper, and it's Donna's designs. And it's supposed to be like
1: <gasps> what? <laughs> but like, okay, I I feel like I just want to talk about this now that we've addressed it. Because I cannot get over that this worked out the way it did. Because I know we find out That Steve wakes up, sees what Zach has done, shoves Donna's notebook into her bag where she doesn't look before the interview, and he's like, I had every intention of talking to her before she left the house, but she left the house before I could talk to her, so oops. (laughs) And... She goes to the interview having not looked at her designs again. I feel like that's very anti-Donna. I feel like she would sit in her car, pull out her designs. She would have her whole presentation of like, this is why I think this cut of shirt would work. You can see these outfits that I've built together. But no, she goes to the interview. The guy opens the pages. It's all covered in, you know, six-year-old's crayons. And he says like, Oh, my God, you draw like a five-year-old. You're a genius. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then
2: she calls it child's play, as if that's not a play on words.
1: I'm sorry. Child's play is the name of the Chucky movies. <laughs> I'm not interested.
2: And then, like, apparently the job is only for six months, so I have no idea how fashion jobs work.
1: I, I It was a five-second interview for a six-month job. I guess that works out. Yeah, sure. I just fast fashion tm (laughs) (laughs) i just can't believe that this is how this worked for her
2: well and then yeah like i i think the last do do we see them again
1: i don't think so i think i think that they see her drawings think they're amazing even though they look like they've been done by a five-year-old when he says that she's clearly like i live with a five-year-old i know what happened (laughs) And then nobody's mad. It's just done. We never see Donna again. Okay. But. Just works out. Yeah. We do see a lot of Emma and Kelly, though, because Mm -hmm. uh, Emma keeps calling the house and doing real creepy hangups like she doesn't want to talk to Kelly. But if Brandon will answer the phone, she'll start talking. And. This is when she starts recording the conversations with Brandon to very clearly catch him, like she has been hinting at for scenes for days.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like she asks deliberate questions, she says she is going to stop, or like she's or she says goodbye, like all that kind of stuff. But, but before, yeah, they can hang up she gets him to admit that like what they had was good and it was Mm -hmm. great. And he, she even gets him to unprompted call her beautiful and smart and all these things. And yeah, then we see her hitting pause or whatever on the record, the tape record thing. Why Mm -hmm. can't I come up with whatever that thing is?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because it is old technology that we have probably never used before in our lives. Maybe once.
2: It just reminded me of like the little answering machine tapes,
1: you know, like I know. little babies. I miss those. I did really love like being a little kid and going to press the button on the machine and seeing if you had any messages. No one mm-hmm. leaves me messages anymore. Nope. But there's this like you know, parallel of this where Emma is doing these things that she's clearly set up. She's been very obvious about what she's doing because she told Kelly to do the same thing. So, you know, Kelly goes to the clinic and gets herself alone in a room with Dr. Monaghan, but she turns the intercom on. And Brandon is sitting there with Audrey from the foundation listening to Dr. Monahan. and Kelly basically like, you know, entraps him but not in a bad way because he's already doing bad things to start coming on to her and thankfully before it gets too far this is when like brandon bursts into the room and then audrey just like pops her head in after him and is like i heard everything you're fired
2: mm-hmm. and oh, this we. is when we get the like iconic Drop of, I've already talked to Dr. Martin. He's going to be great, and he's going to run the clinic, so you are not as, like, untouchable as you thought you were.
1: If this doesn't turn into Dr. Martin being the uh, contractually obligated Nambusicio of Seasons 8, 9, and 10, I will be so sad. Like, I just want Dr. Dad to be there at all times and to just be happy and everyone to have a father figure in him because – Nat has a baby. Nat is busy. Yeah. Exactly. Like, ugh, the iconic, the idea that Dr. Martin would just take over. Chef's kiss if they can pull it off. Yep. But it's time to, you know, I guess wrap everything up because, you know, Kelly has had Dr. Boningham resolved. Donna has her new job. And then we go to the pea pad where Duke has realized that Val is really good at being a bookie. Mm-hmm. And he hires her on for sports betting underneath everybody's noses.
2: And it's smart because Val is discreet. Val is good with money. And she is also like a much better looking bookie than Duke (laughs) would be. And she has no history of being a bookie, so nobody should suspect anything.
1: And she's willing to do all of these things in the place she works. It's not like he has to be sneaking into the club every week. She is supposed to be here because she's the manager. Like this is yeah, like she handed this to Duke on a platter and he accepted it very willingly. Agree. And then... We go to the Beverly Beat where Brandon talks to Emma. He tells her what happened with Dr. Monahan. And again, in this parallel, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, a man doing wrong will hang himself by the rope every single time, which is where we find out about her tape. She has put it yep. on Brandon's car and he listens to it. Hoo, hoo, hoo.
2: I mean uh, – I got it. I got to admit, it's, it's it's smart by Emma. It's it compelling.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean – And the thing that gets me is that she has been hinting at this forever. And the fact that Brandon goes out to his car and finds a tape on his car and has to listen to it and has no idea what it is. I'm like, my dude, mm-hmm. we all know better. Everyone knows better but you. And you have to sit here in a parking lot by yourself listening to you cheat on your girlfriend.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And like knowing that she has this tape and I mean, I don't know that he knows that she has multiple copies or assumes cuz she has he has clearly underestimated her this entire time.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: the fact that like now it's unclear if like this could literally get back like Brandon has been lying, he has been keeping secrets and he has been avoiding getting in trouble in any way shape or form. Mm -hmm. Now this is, like, literally a ticking time bomb Mm -hmm. and could easily get back to Kelly. Um, So he's got to feel a whole other level of stress that he didn't feel before because he thought he was going to get away with this. Just get rid of Emma and the problem is done.
1: He loves really smart women. Mm -hmm. And they are so much smarter than him. And the idea that he didn't see this coming blows my mind.
2: Right? I know.
1: I agree. And then for some reason, we go to Noah and Donna. Oh, that's
2: right. I knew there was, like, something else to the Donna situation. Yeah, because they have dinner, and, like, she tells him about the sketches and, like, what happened with Zach's coloring and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And at some point during this dinner, they
1: say they love each other. I know. And, like, that is, like, the trigger in Donna's brain. Like mm-hmm. if if you can say that genuinely to Donna, she is in your corner for the rest of your life.
2: Totally, and like who? Like honestly, I don't blame her. You know, not like, even I, a like, little bit. She is afraid that she wants to like she sees her value in the strength of a relationship, mm-hmm. and so clearly with David, she you know he told her he loved her and then just kept lying to her. Noah has been honest. Outside of the whole like Grinch stuff that we saw in the Santa episode, like she's been doing everything she can to make this a solid foundation, right? And she is like – she gets her proof in her way that this is a solid foundation by Noah being the first one to say that he loves her.
1: Hmm. And I get why they put this in here. I get why they have to say they love each other. I get why we get another sex scene because that has just been – The direction that the show was going, but I feel like we Mm -hmm. could have ended this on Brandon hearing Emma's tape and being totally fine. Like I don't, I agree. Maybe you flip the two. I don't know. I don't know that I agree with this being the end point. I think the Brandon stuff should have been the end point. I agree. I agree.
2: But yeah, more compelling
1: that way. It's so much more compelling, and like I've said it before, like I don't know, this the sex scenes just don't get me like. Yeah, sure. Happy for you, Noah and Donna. I yeah, don't at need least it. not
2: the ones lately. Like,
1: yeah, I'm cool. At with least it it it's in other not, ways,
2: but yeah,
1: at least it's not Brandon and Emma. At least we have that. True, true, so true. Oh my god, and that's it. Like, that's mm-hmm. where it ends. So like, yeah, and like, I'm trying to even think about what
2: quote i have i for this week because it it, like it had a lot of good stuff but it wasn't stuff that i particularly am like oh yeah that's my quote of the week i think i do have one but i don't love it
1: i the i'm looking back through my notes and one of the only things i have in quotations is i'm a doctor i'm important and i don't think that's a quote i don't think (laughs) it's real it may not be. <laughs> I don't think it's real at all. I don't have anything. Literally have one not a single quote. Go for it.
2: Well, wow, Mary, do you have any before I reveal my only
1: one? <laughs> Your de facto quote of the week. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: I have some very valuable writing advice from Brandon Walsh, a writer. Yes. And that it's not writing a story. It's knowing the subject.
2: Oh, my God. I forgot he said that. You did mention that in your synopsis. Like, you paraphrased it. Oh, my God.
0: I can't believe a writer wrote those words.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The writer just devalued his own writing.
1: (laughs) Do you think they were literally, like, smoking a cigarette being like, I can't believe I'm paid for this? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like this is the one, maybe that wasn't the real quote, but it's the take that they got for like, like maybe Jason messed up the line and that's what he accidentally said. And the writer was like, you gotta be kidding me. Oh my
0: god! <laughs> like I cannot just imagine writing something for a show with a writer character and making them say that because the writing right. isn't fucking easy. Like no. it feels easy sometimes, but like. It's not like making the words come out in the right order is really fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs)
2: And like telling a story. Like, are you kidding me?
1: Do you know the gif from New Girl? I don't even know what episode it's from, but Winston is eating a full cake and then somebody says something and he just looks up and throws the entire cake on the floor. (laughs) Like, that is what I picture here of just like somebody has their entire script and then that's it. And they're like, cut, we got it. And the writer is just like, fine. (laughs) oh man well that is a much better quote
2: than mine mine is god it's so stupid mine is when um it's the kelly monahan confrontation and audrey and brandon burst through the door and brandon goes what's up doc Why did I write that
1: down? <laughs> okay, but that's good. Love it.
2: <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, He just needed a little carrot.
1: <laughs> Nothing
0: would have made me happier. Oh, my God.
2: Uh, Mary, God. what about you?
0: Um, So, like, I don't even have a moment that I wrote down that really stuck out to me. Um, I will honorable mention um, Emma just... Killing Kelly's watch, just brutal murder. <laughs> um, but also, just the name of the car wash, Rob's car wash by hand only. I'm going to miss it.
1: <laughs> it made we me so happy that yeah. they were just like, they just drove up and were just like, you want a new job? And he said yes.
2: <laughs> he didn't ask any questions. Not I mean, even. A l-
0: as far as he knows, there's no manager because no one is there to train him or help him clock in or anything. True. Who gave him this job?
1: I actually kind of very much look forward to David working at the Beverly Beat. Like, I, nothing would make me happier than all six of them, seven of them, however many there are right now, working at the Beverly Beat and then just being like, who signs the paychecks? <laughs> <laughs> Have have either of you gotten paid yet? (laughs) (laughs) Even Steve is just like, no, I haven't gotten paid. (laughs) I thought
2: Brandon was handling. I thought you were handling.
1: (laughs) It's just, oh, my God, nothing would make me happier. Well, (laughs) so I guess on that note, what is next week's episode? All right. For next week,
2: we have Season 8, Episode 16, Illegal Tender.
1: Legal tender.
2: Maybe it is about like (laughs) the legalities of the Beverly Beat.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Truly, like, nothing would be more real life than them just constantly facing adversity because they're like, you know, you don't have a business license to be a newspaper.
2: Right. Like, it comes out that like some other rival newspaper in Beverly Hills or like, you know, adjacent to whatever Beverly Hills is adjacent to comes back and they're like, we found out through our investigation that you guys aren't a legitimate business.
1: <laughs> Brandon shows up in makeup again, and it's like old Jason Priestley talking to young oh. Jason Priestley, but it's other newspaper Jason Priestley talking to this newspaper Jason
0: Priestley. But also, Rush Sanders and his sweatshop are behind getting them <laughs> shut down, even though Rush oh Sanders gave them the paper.
2: Oh my god, the ultimate long con. Rush telling Steve he's proud of him and then turning around and having him in his sweatshop shut the paper down.
0: <laughs> I would I give anything for Rush to be like, "Just kidding, Steve. I'm unproud of you."
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. So we will find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Podcast.
2: You can also shoot us over an email at back podcast at gmail.com.
0: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
1: And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and then we can give you all a better product. And if you give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go draw in a sketchbook like a five-year-old. I have to go quit my job by saying I'm eloping.
0: And I got to break character by going to sports night. Bye. Bye. (laughs) See ya.